All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Thursday. It's February 27th. I'm Doug Norrie. Over there is James Davis. Buddy, we're a day away from your birthday. Um, it's true. And I don't. Do you have any big plans? I know you're working tonight and tomorrow night and Saturday night. Besides all the basketball work <laughs> that you're going to be, doing, besides all the basketball work you're going to be doing, um, which requires hours and hours and hours of work. Any other big plans? And remember, you're not taking off because tomorrow you're working. Um, but other than that, you, just so that. everyone is clear, back at the ranch there, wherever you're listening in the car, Doug doesn't tell me when to work. So he likes to, to pretend this. Just go look at any of the publicly filed documents for DFSR, and uh, you, you'll see who's in charge. That's all I, I wasn't demanding you work. I wasn't demanding you work. I was just... I was ex- you were I was instructing just, me that I had to work. No, I was I'm just aware. saying that... I was just I was just reminding you that that is the, the agreed upon schedule. That, real <laughs> real men don't take off for their birthday. That's, that's what I want to start with. Um, real men like me don't take off for anything. I don't think I've taken a day off. <laughs> Like I don't know about you, but I feel like I've worked every day. I do. Have you, do you feel like you've taken a vacation, like a real honest vacation since you started this job? Yeah, because there were times like I'm the co-founder of a summer camp called Camp Stopping Ground. And last year I went to that and did not work at all during that time. And you you took over. Eh, anyway, okay. <laughs> so that, that would say that's it. But yeah, otherwise, no, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take some time, sometimes during like break, like all-star breaks and stuff. But even then, we're usually just preparing for the next sport. So, Well, there you go. We got a, the sport the be, sport tonight being basketball. We have four games slate yeah. Thursday. Slate. Pretty interesting, though, because injury stuff uh, starting to dominate some headlines here. Uh, the first game yeah. is just is the Knicks and the Sixers. And the Knicks, excuse me, the Sixers lose Ben Simmons for... Um, an undisclosed, well, not undisclosed. It's an undetermined amount, of, yeah, undetermined amount of time. Like they're going to reevaluate him in two to three weeks. That's a really bad sign when you're just getting reevaluated in that time. Uh, and then on the heels of that, lose and beat last night to a shoulder issue, a shoulder sprain. I, unclear what the severity is right now. He's only listed doubtful. I'd be shocked if he played, considering it's a back-to-back. And he and left, he left, in, left in the first few minutes of the game. Like, it, what what would they be doing if they just took him out last night, only to roll him back out there tonight? I can't imagine. Yeah, they're playing. Uh, this is getting the, the Sixers season could start getting weirder before it gets better. Uh, <laughs> as we as we well, I got just dunked on by the Cavs. Like the, yeah. the the Cavs who we I talked about yesterday is one of the top most exciting young franchises in basketball. Just go out there and roll your title to contender Sixers. So. <laughs> yeah, I know that's uh that's not not a great look. Now we do let's assume that Embiid doesn't play. They get the they get the uh, equally formidable Knicks tonight. Uh, who have been sort of a dumpster fire in their own. Now, are you worried about the Knicks blowing them out and the, these Sixers guys not seeing their minutes? That's well, what I'd be wondering if I was a Philly fan. It's, it's interesting right now because the, the line on this game, the early line is Sixers minus eight, which feels, um, although I guess it's off board now, so I don't know if that was like an early line. It's, that coming, that, it's coming up. I have a line here that says now uh, seven and a half. So. Seven and a half. That's interesting. So that, uh, again, that means my, the line means Embiid's probably not playing. Um, it still kind of feels a little high. I, d- just So what are your thoughts here? Let's go DFS style. Uh, no Embiid. And I'm not going to bury this here. LeBron is already not playing. So a lot of our assumptions about the slate already have to sort of like work under the assumption that we're discuss- we're going to be discussing Lakers guys later. So I just want to kind of get that out of the way mm-hmm. now. But um, what are your thoughts on these Sixers guys specifically probably? Tobias Harris and Al Horford as the value plays with no Embiid. Do you think we see pretty high ownership on these guys, or does the no LeBron thing, and to some degree no Lillard um, piece, kind of influence that? Like I feel like on most slates we would just see all these guys 100% lineups, and I'm just like maybe not sure because there's just other injury concerns. Yeah, there's, there's so. value actually flying around. For a four-game slate, uh, the cash lines are unusually high, at least as far as our system is concerned, and that's it makes it pretty competitive at these punt slots. So... Uh, yeah, I think Harris, I mean, he was 80% owned last night on a nine-game slate. 
and his prices come up slightly, but arguably just as good a matchup here and better context, right? Now we know that there will be no Embiid and no Simmons for in all likelihood. So I think that will make him, you know, the highest owned small forward play. Uh, you talked about LeBron already, and that's going to kind of warp, we're going to be warping lineups around forcing Anthony Davis as well. But there's also other little, you know, sneaky things going on too, right? Like Oladipo could miss tonight again. And if he misses, all of a sudden you've got a, a TJ Warren play at 5,600 at small forward. So things are just really competitive across multiple positions. So I think on any normal four-game slate, you'd be looking at guys like Richardson and Harris and Horford as actual just automatic locks that you'd put in every single lineup and feel very grateful to do so. I think any three of those guys could wind up in your lineups tonight, but probably only Harris is someone who I would consider to be a must. And that's going to sound weird with Horford. We'll get to that. Um, we'll get to the his competitors in a moment here. Um, I think Horford is a phenomenal play, and it's actually just a really tough decision as to whether it should be him or Kuzma in that uh, pumped forward slot. So, yeah, it's a, a lot of weird ones tonight. I don't think on DraftKings you have the issue. You just play Davis, Horford, and Kuzma together. Um, you know, yeah, Horford's 5,200 on DraftKings, and I think that makes that decision pretty easy. But I'm with you that the that the, the power forward position on FanDuel is there's just three great plays, and you can only choose two of them. And I don't mm-hmm. and, you, and you basically have to start Davis. Um, in, in there's that one nowhere spot. else to spend up. That's the other context around tonight. We already mentioned LeBron being out, Lillard being out, uh, Embiid and Simmons being out. So who do you want to pay up for? I mean, Hassan Whiteside's literally the only other guy over 9,000, and that's it. And he's got a you know not less than ideal matchup against Indy. So, and you could just play him and Davis without with a pretty clear conscience too, given right. all the other value flying around. So yeah, it's it's just a, a very very strange slate that way. Um, last night, it's you know we don't know what the starting lineup is going to be. The Sixers do have a lot of different ways to go, uh, just because they can move Horford up to the five and then just sort of play one of these wings. So it could be Thibel, it could be Korkmaz. I'm not sure they, they're going to really struggle to score. I think just in general with this team, I think that's why you see Harris get a ton of shots and probably something of a significant usage increase on at least Josh. Yeah, Richardson. that's why I like Richardson too. I, I, Richardson, people forget now because this is just not his role on Philly, but this guy has been a creator at times in his past. Uh, last night he goes out there, he leads the team in DFS scoring. Now, that's just because he had across-the-board contributions. But uh, third on the team in shots last night, Shake Milton actually yeah. uh, had four, put 14 shots in the air against Cleveland. So maybe we should be talking about him a little bit more seriously too. But um, yeah, just uh, definitely a team to keep an eye on. I think you could be very, uh, very bullish on Mil- Milton's minutes here, mostly yeah, just I'm because right just because he is. Um, he they've, he's kind of taken over the NATO role in terms of the, the point guard position, NATO mm-hmm. as the backup point guard. Uh, and then he has more of an offensive game than NATO. And that's going to be, and specifically, like if they were to start a guy like Thibel or something like that, they're going to need every bit of offense they can get because he doesn't give you really anything on offense. So uh, right. I think that's where we can probably be pretty aggressive on Milton. And Milton does become interesting when he talk. Well, actually, real quick, anything to see here on the, on the Knicks side? Um, they're pretty healthy. I mean, for whatever that means, uh, you know, with Alfred, well, Alfred Payton and, and whatnot. Um, but this is now you have to assume a somewhat defensively compromised uh, Philly team, at least without two of the better defenders in all of basketball and Embiid and Simmons. Mm. Where do you, uh, anything to land on with the Knicks side of the ball here? Not for cash games, I don't think, just because, like I said, we're talking about leaving guys on the sideline like Kuzma or Horford. So you're not going to play like Julius Randle in cash games. But I think for big tournaments, uh, there are there is a little bit of intrigue here. Uh, Randall in particular has been on a serious points per minute tear recently. And while I really like Horford and Kuzma and Anthony Davis tonight, like it's not outrageous to just drop one of those guys, go totally off board. Because I'll tell you, for big tournaments tonight, if you pick 
with someone who's not one of those three guys at your power forward slot, it's going to have to be single digit percentage ownership. And that's a way you can get pretty quick separation. And none of those guys, by the way, you know, Davis, Kuzma, or Horford, I think is like an absolute lock to just be, um, you know, on the top of the GPP leaderboard. So yeah, I think you can get a little cute there. Um, outside of Randall, I don't know, like, like I said, we're in big tournament only territory here. So you can look at guys that have had some good points per minute upside in the past, you know, maybe like Peyton and consider it, but I just don't see the point. I, you know, it's, it's still not, not a great matchup. Philly still has plenty of competent defenders, even after Embiid and Simmons. So I'm, it's nothing to be too excited about here. Portland goes in and plays the Pacers. Pacers, nine and a half point favorites uh, to open. This game is a two eighteen and a half over under the injury news. Uh, I mean, obviously, Damian Lillard is still remains out. He's uh, not going to be back until the beginning of March, uh, sometime around March 4th, it looks like. And then the uh, on the Pacer side, we're getting uh, – he's still questionable with a back injury, or sore back at least, is that's Victor Oladipo. I, I'm going to assume that we have the Oladipo news well before lock here. Yeah, let's hope so. And where does that land you be with? Because this is a good matchup for the guards, like Brogdon. I'm going to throw TJ Warren into this group. Um, he's more of a wing, obviously. Uh, and then Aaron Holiday, who has been getting the start for Oladipo. Uh, and actually got some blowout time run the other night, which I found to be interesting. Like He played, he closed the last four minutes in a game that they were up by like 30 over the Hornets. It's only instructive because... Um, you can kind of you can you can be a little bit more aggressive on the minutes when things like that are going to happen, but and not not to say this is going to be a blowout, but it's almost a ten. This is almost a double digit line. Where do you land on the indie guys? Uh, let's assume that Oladipo. I mean, I mean, I guess we can talk about whether Oladipo plays or not. But um, yeah. where do you land here on, on this scenario? Yeah, I think it's worth working through those scenarios. So first of all, if Oladipo sits, I think guys like Brogdon and Warren are almost automatic plays, like really close, especially on Fanduel. I think Warren's probably priced out of contention on DraftKings, where he's 7,300. But on FanDuel, the guy's 5,600. We're back at FanDuel algorithm designers are just asleep at the wheel because Warren, even when Oladipo was playing, like he's got a couple of 50 fantasy point games on his resume recently. And uh, the Pacers, I will say they were the, one of the toughest teams. And maybe this is where their algorithms are just having a difficult time, especially if it's automated and not human controlled or, you know, kind of discretionarily human controlled where they'll fix outrageous things but kind of leave it to do its thing because the Pacers have played in some of the craziest game scripts in recent memory um their last two games have been decided by a total of 85 points (laughs) so that's going both ways by the way that's what I mean yeah yeah. one one game they won by 40 and then they just lost one by 40 so it's it's a just a, a very very um bizarre set of circumstances to try to evaluate some players and so you know Brogdon our system's been loving him at price tags from 6,500 down, basically. And if you think he's going to plug back into his 35-minute rotation, which all indications are that he'll do that in close games, it, he's just criminally low-priced, regardless of whether Oladipo plays or not. Now, if Oladipo sits, uh, I still think you can play guys like Brogdon and Warren on the basis that they're still underpriced. Oladipo has not looked like the you know all-NBA sort of Oladipo that he's been in the past. And yeah, I think they're basically playable. I think Oladipo's status... Mostly affects Aaron Holiday. I think if Oladipo sits and Holiday starts, he becomes a very competitive option in the point guard slot. And if Oladipo plays, obviously you just can't consider Holiday at all. So uh, that's the main thing I'm keeping an eye out for. And so while there is some injury stuff that we really are going to need before lineup lock tonight, I actually think Brogdon and Warren are safe, kind of regardless of whether we get that news or not. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's going to be close because I think the existence of Shake Milton. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Rondo obviously here in a second, but yeah. the. Um, that would probably bump me down. I don't know. We'll have to kind of evaluate this. Um, this is, like I said, the, the FanDuel pricing 
has left it so that you're just it's the the pricing on some of these guys is like, the Brogdon 5900 is a total joke. I don't know what to say. He was hugely you know, he was like 50% owned the other night mm-hmm. at 6000. 6, I think the price actually dropped a little bit probably in the back yep. of the blowout performance, but um the, the price is just an absolute and total joke. So I don't really <laughs> know what to do sometimes with these FanDuel prices. I like the FanDuel product, but sometimes the pricing just does get uh, a little crazy. 7300 on Brogdon on DraftKings probably leaves him out of the picture. Uh, but like you said, the 6000 on Warren makes it intriguing probably no, almost no matter what. So some things that hopefully we'll have the Oladipo news and we won't have to sweat that out too much. On the Portland side... You know, where do you land on a guy like McCollum? It's really been McCollum's team. Um, they've gotten, gotten some shots here and there from, from some of the other bit players. Like, you know, I'm not, I guess Carmelo Anthony is more than a bit player. But uh, for the most part, Damian, since Damian Lillard has gone down, uh, McCollum has taken 22, 30, and 24 shots, has double-digit assists every game. Uh, and that's one of those games was against Boston. That's like not a pushover matchup by any means. Where do you land on McCollum still being – I mean, is, should McCollum should be like – should he be like a $9,500 player on FanDuel at this point? Like he's 8,800, and then on DraftKings the price is corrected a little more. He's 9,000. He's kind of playing like a $9,000 player. Where do you put him into like the sort of the hierarchy of of high price plays on this slate? Yeah, so our model is always going to have a difficult time with guys who have fundamentally changed their approach to the game all at once, and that's really what we're seeing in McCollum here. Because it's one thing to use on court and off court data, right? But in a normal game, when Lillard is out there. It's not like Lillard leaves and then all of a sudden McCollum turns into, you know, a 10 assist per 36 minute guy historically, right? right? He has turned into that. I think part of it is a Portland's philosophy these days where they're just not winning playing the old way. So they're like, we'll just give the ball to our best player and let them both create for others and create for themselves. So I will say, I think our model's having a little bit of a difficult time there. That being said, our model still likes him tonight because at 8,800, he just represents one of the few ways that you can profitably pay up tonight and with all this value that we're discussing at all these other positions then you move over to shooting guard which is not that great of a position on any given night and I think tonight certainly qualifies there as well and our system is saying hey you know you've got great punts at basically every other position don't get cute here like you don't need yet another one uh, at your second shooting guard slot just play McCollum take the if nothing else take the incredible floor and just kind of walk away scot-free so I think he'll wind up in our lineups tonight I, I think the price is potentially a little bit low, but I think he gets this added benefit. Like if it were a bigger slate, if it was last night, I might be more hesitant to run McCollum out there. And let's be honest, it's not a great matchup against Indy here. But given the nature of tonight's slate, I think it makes sense. And, and one thing to remember, too, in the past with Portland, like when they've brought in, uh, when Dame has been hurt, they've brought in sort of ball handlers to fill the, the void, right? It's been right. Anthony Simons earlier this season. If you go back to last season, it was like guys like Shabazz Napier. Those were, you know, essentially point guards. This year they're not doing that. Like Simons has been buried kind of, and then they're bringing Gary Trent as the, and, and the, so they're just saying, McCollum, you are, like you're not, the off-ball guy still, you just you are the point guard now. And I think that's really been the fundamental difference is like the personnel has not been a try to one-on-one replace the point guard position. It's like you're the point guard, we'll get someone else in there to play off-ball defensive stuff and, you know, take a wide-open three if you get it, a la Gary Trent or whatever. So I think that's been – there's just been – it's not just been – it's not just come out of nowhere. There's been a, just a, a you know a personnel change that they haven't done in the past that would make those on-court, off-court numbers from earlier in the season, or even if you go back multiple seasons, uh, where that's you know just to agree with you, that's where those numbers aren't going to hold up. So, mm-hmm. um, just something to keep in mind. Other eight o'clock game, we have the Kings and the Thunder. Right now, the Kings are seven-point underdogs to OKC. Uh, OKC still continues to kind of just roll here. Uh, they're <laughs> just a really good team. It's been awesome kind of to see like how you can 
rebuild and be good at the same time. It's just so congrats to them. We've talked about that multiple times on the podcast. It's really, I think it's just like a feel good story that probably actually doesn't get enough play. Yeah, um, and, and they, and kind of get lucky, I think in some degree that, that they weren't able to trade Gallo at the trade deadline because it just still makes them, because he's just so, so freaking good that um, it just makes them a really, really scary first round team. That being said, I'm not sure from a fantasy perspective on this, at this game, what we're getting really from either team. Like, the Kings get a terrible matchup in OKC. Right. And OKC just gets the same team that we've seen basically the whole season. They've had very few injury issues outside of just, you know, a game here, a game there with rest. Um, I don't think they've really lost anybody for a significant time. And that's just left all the prices sort of just fair. So on a four-game sleep, it feels weird to write a game off completely from a DFS perspective, but I kind of feel like we're there with this one. Uh, yeah, well, it's kind of funny because last night when I was doing the picks, I actually did write up a few of these OKC guys. Uh, this was before we knew for sure that Embiid was going to be out. But I think you're getting pretty fair values on guys like Paul, you know, SGA comes to mind as well. Like, I think those guys are playable options. Gallo, too, actually. But that would be on more of a normal slate. Like, now as we're kind of looking at things and you're trying to make these, like, you know, greedy sort of unfair lineups where you get... The 360 points projected right. <laughs> for cash game lines tonight. You know, guys like that are projected to do 5x points per dollar on any given night aren't going to wind up making the cut. So I think, unfortunately, I actually do think these guys are all totally serviceable. Uh, if you're playing a shorter slate, like I don't even know, but if there's like an express slate at 8 o'clock, I think all those OKC guys are pretty playable here. And I think on a, on the, just a normal slate, I just don't think you're getting away with enough to play them. So I think you're right. I think kind of both sides here, it'll it'll wind up being a skip, even if it didn't look that way before we had all this injury news. On a, on a normal slate, I think you'd be considering a guy like Harry Giles at 4,500 a power forward who has put up really good points per minute stuff and played 25 or 23 or more minutes over the last three, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he put up 32 fantasy points in 23 minutes, yeah. uh, 32 and 31, and then he did a 13 and 25. Yeah, he's so. an interesting big tournament player. You're not going to play him in cash over Horford or Kuzma. So. No, exactly. That's the issue. Like It's just that you just don't need to, like with really just Kuzma alone for 400 cheaper, you just don't even need to bother. So um, I think that you know, outside of those, and like we, we consider guys like Fox, even Bogdan Bogdanovich at times, but I don't, this is just not the spot to do it. All right, final game, 1030. Uh, so we have a really pretty long window here. We get the 7 o'clock, two 8 o'clocks, and then a, a pretty big gap, and then we get the 1030 game between the Lakers and the Warriors. And obviously the big news here is that LeBron is going to sit out with a groin injury. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term thing, that they're just going to precautionarily rest him now, which is just fine. The guy's just played like a beast and basically played every game this season. So, um, He's been one of the guys that just has, has foregone the idea behind rest. And we'll see how that plays out when they get into late season. But at least for now, it's been a make, made it for a pretty predictable situation for the Lakers. They're still 10-point favorites here over the Warriors. How many Lakers are too many at this point? I know they kind of cap you at four. But moving LeBron off the court, is it just minimum like Rondo, Davis, and Kuzma? Um, can you see slotting someone else in here? He just leaves so much on the table here uh, when he steps off the court. Yeah, I mean, so the last game Rondo or LeBron missed, it was kind of strange because Davis missed that game as well. So it's a little bit hard to determine what exactly the plan is if only LeBron is out. And you have to think that most of that usage is just going to get funneled through Davis. Uh, although Davis, you know, he's got his own injury things. He left and returned to the last game, but just enough to give you a heart attack. <laughs> so we, we did play him on relatively low ownership that night too. So um yeah, I think, you know, Danny Green, he played 31 minutes against New Orleans. He scored 36 fantasy points. 
prior game he scored four fantasy points <laughs> but before that he scored 25 now before that he scored five so that's kind of what you're signing up for with these other options I think even with LeBron off the court you know guys like Danny Green and Avery Bradley the minutes could be there but you just have no idea what the production is going to be like so I will say you know both Rondo Davis and Kuzma all great plays these other guys I, I see them more as side options and I would rather not like you know my early intuition looking at this slate is that I'd rather try to figure out a way to play say McCollum and Richardson together rather than you know taking that even extra savings going down from Richardson to Danny Green and applying that 1100 elsewhere so yeah that's my that's my early intuition on this slate is that those guys will hopefully be sort of the odd men looking at yeah, for me, actually, it's funny about the hierarchy here of like, I, I, there are different prices, but I'd actually trust to some, for, on a points per dollar basis, I'd probably trust Rondo more than Davis. I, and I know that's, I'm, I want everyone to take this with the spirit that's intended because Davis's production is already so high that it's, it, it can go up for sure, like from a usage perspective and all this other stuff. Like, it's um, obviously he gets more opportunity with LeBron on, but you remember that LeBron creates the opportunity for everybody, right? Like, LeBron is a scorer, but he also like leads the league in assists by a pretty large margin. So it's not like he's taking, he's taking usage away for sure, but that's not. It's not like it's not like when you move Damian Lillard off the court. I guess is my point, right? Like Damian mm-hmm. Lillard is the point guard. You move his thirty percent usage rate off the court, you're getting a million shots going to other people. That's not exactly the case here with LeBron. So uh, Rondo is the complete and utter lock for me because they just need the secondary ball. They need the ball handling skills more than anything else. Um, you know, there are some other guys that flies in the ointment here that make it a little worrisome for me about what the plan's going to be. Specifically, like Markeith Morris played 15 minutes last game. I don't know mm-hmm. where he lands now. Like he played, so think about it this way: last game against the Pelicans, Morris played 15 minutes. Kuzma played 12. Yeah, how worried are you in situations like that? You know what I mean? Like yeah, how worried? Like how worried are you about a guy like Kyle Kuzma, where Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, basically had maybe just coming into play the Kyle Kuzma role, right? <laughs> like better at defense, right. um, possibly as good a three-point shooter, bigger. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the Marquise Morris is just like the plan. The 12 minutes for Kuzma really worries me, right? Like, would you need – okay, let me, let, me, let me rephrase this a different way. If we don't have the Lakers starting lineup before the game starts, how comfortable would you be with a guy like Kuzma? Well, this is, where, this is where it's just nice because then you can just play Horford and not Anthony Davis, and then you're just feeling good about it, right? Like, I don't think – like, this is a very unusual circumstance because normally when there's a guy like Kuzma sitting there, you're like, well, if I don't play him and he starts – I just lose automatically because he'll, he'll go for 10x and there's no way I can win. Tonight, you can just play Horford. And I think Horford and Kuzma are comparable for sure, even if Kuzma perhaps gets a slight edge uh, because the usage rates to be higher. But hey, Horford's going to be out there without Simmons and Embiid too. So I think I actually think it's already close between those two. And uh, you may have talked me into this being the tiebreaker in Horford's favor. Well, because here's the thing, you can't project... I I was kind of leaning towards Kuzma. You can't project Kuzma to start. See, here's the, this is the other thing too. Like you, the Kuzma... They have to start Rondo or like Alex Caruso or something like that. Like, because the thing is, if they, if they don't start Rondo, let's say they start Kuzma, this would the, who they, yeah, they, no they, ball they only don't, they actually just don't have a guy, to, a person to, to bring the ball to the court, Avery Bradley. Like, they just don't have it. So, already from the starters, mm-hmm. you cannot project Kuzma to start. So, at that point, you have to essentially cap his minutes somewhere at, you know, 28 to 30. And coming off a game where he played 12, I don't know. I think that, I, yeah, I think, in, I think in talking this out, I think that probably I would, I would lean toward, being a little bearish on more bearish on Kuzma uh, for around the same prices, right? And so, um, 
Okay, so so that's where we land on the Rondo thing. I think um, Rondo Davis. Uh, I don't think you get more. I think you get more minutes around the wings. We probably have to bump Markeith Morris's minutes up just a little bit and make us a little worried there. Anything to see on the Golden State side? Obviously, they're still falling in the tank, but it looks like Draymond Green is going to come back and play this game. We're still we're two games away from seeing Steph Curry return from the wrist injury, but um, as of right now. Probably still a very good defensive Lakers team, just with the personnel that they kind of throw out there. Their guys are trend more defensive. Yeah, offense. I mean Bradley Green. These yeah. guys are out there for their defense. Davis has been great defensively, so yeah, I agree. I think for a regular slate, I would have been looking at Draymond Green here. I actually think the absence of LeBron and the way Draymond's played in closer games, and especially like you know, kind of marquee matchups, as it were would have me pretty bullish on his opportunity tonight. And I actually think that there's potentially an interesting Golden State Lakers stack that many people will not be on top of. And if the dubs do keep it close here, it's got to be because of Draymond Green, right? So I think I kind of like him. But yeah, for general cash games, it just doesn't look necessary. And the rest of the lineup is so kind of wild and crazy that I just don't know that you want to you wanna get too too intense about trying to put these guys in your lineup. Yeah, they just uh, don't yeah, go part of that Golden State sack. You go, you go like Wiggins and Draymond and take some Lakers guys going the other way. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, Wiggins has gotten shots. They haven't been necessarily great. <laughs> um, the, well, they got to see the old Wiggins last game against Sacramento. Yeah, <laughs> sixteen points. No boards. Couldn't get to, couldn't get to the glass. I'm to, not sure like what happened with me and Andrew Wiggins early on that I just like have continued to dream on him being good. And I'm not sure like if I got like if I just saw like a bunch of his great games or just played him. I all think the my right issue DFS was I, just seeing his in, in leading up to that draft, seeing his highlight reel. He can be a highlight level defender, like you just when he chooses to essentially. And so you're like, good God, this guy can score and defend like that. He's basically like like a polished Kawhi coming out of college like this guy's unstoppable and then you realize that there's just whole like he really is for me and like the Jeff Green all-stars of he's out on the court you just totally forget about him yeah and you're like is Wiggins oh Wiggins is already back in oh no <laughs> it's, it's been five <laughs> minutes isn't that a thing it says seven minutes here um I can't, <laughs> like, right. what has been happening here because yeah I think that's the thing it's just like there's just too long a history of just completely and utterly disappearing and um at some point you just have to take that as a real as a real thing, yeah. um, and I think that's just I saw. Hilarious. I still think it can change. I, I still do think it can change, um, especially if when this team gets competitive again. I think that will light some kind of fire. But yeah, I think he just gets depressed with losing and then just gives up. There so. was a great hell. We're gonna get out of here right after this, but there was a great headline. I don't know if it was like a Bleacher Report kind of like thrown out there as just to, to get people talking thing, but it was a it was a report that the Warriors had made the Wiggins plus the draft pick trade, so they could begin be, begin to make a package for Giannis. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I was like, who's the centerpiece there? Like, are they throwing Clay Thompson in too? Because like, I don't know who the I don't know I don't know if the Wiggins plus a draft pick gets you Giannis. Uh, but maybe I just don't understand the relative value of some of these things these days. But that doesn't seem like it's like the <laughs> the, the, the best place to start. But uh, again, I'm no I'm no contractor. In Milwaukee, looking across the border over there, just being like, oh, imagine we had Wiggins instead of Giannis on our team. <laughs> Is Steph coming oh. along too? Because then I think we could start talking. But uh, <laughs> short, short of that, I'm not sure you have enough here. Uh, in the tank. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com/deals. We'll get you started. Free seven-day trial to our projection system, powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. 
Optimal Labs for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NHL. You got to get on the NHL action too uh, with our boy Chris Durrell. Um, one of the few sites out there that has a dedicated just NHL guy there every night working through projections. And we've this is just a testimonial we've seen in the chat. It's just like people have tried different stuff for different uh, NHL places elsewhere. And you know a lot of places have guys like me and James with NBA, and I think our NBA product is as good as anybody. So that's not a knock against that, but just the added benefit of getting the NHL piece along with it. Uh, yeah. It's just something that you're really not getting anywhere else, and it's all covered in the same subscription package. So go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, and we're not going to talk maybe again, but enjoy your birthday, but more importantly, enjoy your Thursday in hoops. <laughs> Will do, man.